Good morning and welcome. Even though it's Tim's birthday today, I'm not going to preach for him, okay? I'm still going to make him preach. <laughs> that is not his birthday gift. Uh, however, he did want me to come up and share with you about the special Friday night that we had this past week. Um, it started off um, as a, just a regular Friday, and I have, uh, my job has moved my office up here to Rome, so uh, Tim had planned uh, a little surprise for me when I got home. I wasn't sure what it was, but let me tell you, I was really surprised when I got there, okay? So on the way home, I had stopped by Kroger for just a minute to um, just pick up a couple of things, and I called Tim when I got there, and he sounded like he was in a hurry and wanted to get me off the phone, so I understand that because we've been married a long time. I understand that tone of voice, okay? And so I said, okay, honey, I'll, I'll call you back in a minute, okay? So something told me to call him back. So I called, called him back about two or three minutes later, and, and this is when he started confessing to me, okay? And he says to me, he says, Charlene, now don't panic, right? <laughs> hey, I've had this conversation before, okay? So I just turn my buggy around. I start walking towards the door. I say, okay, honey, I'm not panicking, you know. He said, well, I had a little accident in the kitchen. Uh, I cut my fingers on the mandolin. And I'm like, okay, all right. He says, if I've got the bleeding stopped and all, I said, well, okay. I said, I'm on my way home. And uh, I'll just take a look at it, and uh, you, you keep the pressure on the wound and uh, just hold it up over your heart, and I'll be there in a few minutes, and maybe we'll go get it looked at. Okay, and so, uh, you know, I, I hurry on home, I get in, and I look around. There is blood everywhere, okay? <laughs> and uh, I look at Tim. He's got his hand up over his heart. You know, he's sitting down in the chair. He's looking at me. He says, I'm fine, Okay. <laughs> Just, I'm fine. I don't need anything, okay? Of course, there's a pile of uh, about three uh, kitchen towels that are soaked with blood, okay? And I see the trail. It's, it's everywhere, okay? And, um, and I look over at him. I'm like, he says, it's fine. I don't need to go anywhere. Nobody needs to look at this, okay? How many of y'all are married to that spouse, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> It's one of y'all, okay? It's one of y'all. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, I've raised four kids. I'm pretty diplomatic, okay? But um, he's like, uh, I don't need to go anywhere. I'm like, he says, it'd be fine. I've stopped the bleeding. I've cut myself before, okay? And I'm like, okay, you know, you're fine. Um, he said, we don't need to go anywhere. I said, well, let me just take a look at it then and see if we need. Well, you know, his hand, his arm is, both arms are covered in blood, okay, dried blood, even though he's tried to get it up. And, and he's got at least a dozen bandages, at, you know, just on as tight as he can, okay. And I am not about to take those bandages off, okay. I, I may have done a lot of things in my lifetime, but I know as soon as I take those bandages off, it's going to start bleeding again, okay. So I'm like, well, honey, you know, let's just uh, go up to urgent. I'm not going to urgent care, Okay. <laughs> He was so funny. I was like, are you too? But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I didn't say that out loud, okay? Because <laughs> I'm still happily married. And, um, and so I'm like, well, let me just, you know, I'm like, well, let's just go up there. I said, because let's just go to urgent care. They're still open because 
for, I got them with money here, I said, for, and, and food. I said, for the amount of the copay, I mean, I would have to go and at, at the very least buy a lot of iodine to wash this off in and special bandages. I said, so, you know, for the price of our copay, I couldn't even buy all that stuff. And, and he says, they're going to want to do things that I don't need to have done. I'm thinking, what, like reattach your fingers? <laughs> For y'all who don't know what a mandolin is, okay, I don't know why they call it that. Maybe it somewhat resembles mandolin. Maybe y'all can give me a lesson on that. But it's a slicer, and he was slicing fries like a sweet potato, okay? Right, you get this, and it malfunctions, so instead of the sweet potatoes, he got his hand, okay? So, um, anyway... Um, and, I, and he says, they're going to do things that I don't need to have done. And I said, um, okay. I said, well, if, they, if you don't need to have anything done, we'll at least stop by Chili's and we'll get you one of those really good desserts, okay? <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> so he gets in the car. And, um, well, I'll let, you, I'll let him finish telling you the story, okay? <laughs> uh, please, yeah. Uh. I will tell you how this relates in a few minutes, because the Lord taught me something pretty incredible from it. Encounters with Jesus. I want to talk about one of those today, and, and uh, you, you can make your way to John chapter 3. I can only use one hand. Sorry, I can't bend, can't bend three of my four fingers. Uh, but... Uh, I want to talk about it starts in the dark. All spiritual journeys start in the dark, but some <laughs> will finish in the light. We all start in the same place, guys. We all start from the darkness. The good news is we don't have to stay there, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, I, I want to go and first share just two thoughts with you and talk about this. The first is this. The collision between religion about God and a relationship with God is the first step to a new beginning from God. Get that again. Let me read it to you again. The collision, and there's always going to be a collision, but it's a good thing. The collision between religion that's all about God and a relationship with God is the first step to a new beginning from God. John says this. In John chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Let's stop there for a minute. This says it all. This man who is, uh, he is the who's who of church. He is the guy who, who prays on time three times a day. He's, 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 he's memorizing Scripture every day. He wears clothes that have Scripture verses on them. Okay? He is respected and well thought of. He's going to be where he's supposed to be every time the, the doors are open at church. He's the guy that's got uh, everything that you would think is necessary. He was a leader, he was a teacher, he was a communicator, and he was a Pharisee, meaning the Pharisees had taken the, the books of the law and the law of Moses and added a, several thousand to it. 
they decided God needed some help. And so uh, they added more laws for morality and, and what they thought would make God happy and, uh, and earn God's favor. Now, here's what happens. Here's a guy, and incidentally, the Pharisees are now not happy with Jesus. Some are angry with him. Some are jealous of him. They're not happy. And then, verse 2, after dark one evening, here we go, after dark, when nobody could see him, he's slipping in. After dark, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Meaning, you're saying some things that are incredible. We, I, you have got to come from God. We, we know the stories. I know about your life. And I know that you've got to come from God. And so, uh, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. All right? He says, man, you're, you're a, this is a God thing. I know this. All right? He's trying to get to where he can ask Jesus what's on his heart and what's on his mind. But he's taking a long time to get there. Jesus knows what he wants to ask. You see, do you know what, you know what Nicodemus was asking? He was trying to ask Jesus, have I done enough yet to make sure I go to heaven? That's what he's asking. He came, slipped in. So his other buddies and his peers wouldn't see him, and he said, I just, I'm, I'm trying to get to this. Have I done enough yet? Have I kept enough laws? Have I kept them right? Have I done everything God wants me to do? And Jesus cuts to the chase. He cuts him off. And he says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, to Nicodemus, this is like somebody taking a two before and hitting him up the side of the head. It's like, what did you just say? What do you mean? And he said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He said, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, it's not logical. It's not practical. It's not physically possible. True. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Born of water means your physical birth, and all those women will testify they've given birth. That's how it works. And then there's the birth of the Spirit. One is a human birth, one is a spiritual birth. Humans can reproduce only human life. That's why I know he's talking about the water of birth. He said, only humans can produce human life. It's the only kind of life they can produce. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Ah, Nicodemus, I know you can't be go back in your mother's womb. That's, that's not physically possible. But I'm not talking about a human birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Let's look on. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. A new beginning, a different kind of birth. The wind blows wherever it wants. That's important. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, you, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. He says, this is a spiritual thing, Nicodemus. It's not a thing you can calculate, orchestrate, or manipulate. It's a spiritual thing. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are, you are a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand these things. Wow. 
I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. Let's, so look at this. He said, yeah, you, you should be knowing this, Nicodemus. You're just teaching the weight of the law, the burden, but not the blessing. Here's what I want you to know. Nicodemus just had a collision. All his life he's thought that this is how life works. If I do all the, keep all the rules and, and be a part of all the ceremonies and I do all the rituals of, of what Judaism is and what religion is that is about God, then I'm going to be okay with God. And Jesus just told him that ain't so. Today, people live with this understanding that if, I, if I'm a good person, if I try hard, if I pick the right denomination, if I pick the right church, if I sing the right songs, if I give the right amount of money, if I, if I dress a certain way and look a certain way and behave a certain way, I, I've, pro- I've done enough to get to heaven. And that's just not true. Not my words. That's what Jesus said. He's saying to a guy that could probably had a list of accomplishments greater than anybody in this room. Who was at church more than anybody in this room. And wore Bible verses on his clothes every day. No. It's not enough, Nicodemus. You see, religion says you do the work. Religion says you know you got to do it. You got to make it work. You got to you got to achieve and you got to accomplish. Jesus says God does the work. And that's what he's trying to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, you've been working all your life to get to heaven, and it ain't going to work. I know you've been told that, taught that, and believed that. doesn't matter how sincere you are. You're sincerely wrong. Jesus is trying to say God does the work. It's a spiritual birth. It's a supernatural birth. It's something only God can do. That's what he says. What, ha- what you have here is two opposite views of salvation. Nicodemus thinks it's works-oriented. God says, no, it's grace-oriented. And they're colliding. Nicodemus is bewildered. I'm sure he's going, I don't understand what you're saying. This doesn't make sense. This is how, this is how life works. We, we work at it. We try to achieve it. We, we do the best we can. We do all we can, and that should be enough. And he says, no, it's not enough. It's what God does that matters. Spiritual work is, spiritual birth is the work that only God can do. Nicodemus was stirred by this man because he'd watched how sinners had come to him and would listen to every word he said, hang on every word. Uh, and he's kind of saying, I see what you've done, I see how people listen to you, and I, but you're saying something that I can't, I can't compute in my mind, I, I, I can't comprehend it because it's, it's just foreign to thought. It's foreign to human thought, but not to God's thought. Religion says it is a person's job to earn it. Jesus says it's a person's responsibility to receive it. You see, Nicodemus said, I got to get this done. I got to make sure I'm doing all the right stuff. I, I, I'm, keeping, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, saying what I'm supposed to say, being where I'm supposed to be, that, that you'll go, man, that's great. You've done it, Nicodemus. Come on in. We got a place for you in heaven. Jesus said, that's how it works. You see, 
People try to say, if you're, man, if you're really a, a good Baptist or a good Presbyterian or a good Methodist or a good Catholic or a good Episcopalian or a good Lutheran or whatever there may be out there, and there's many more, that, man, that's great. You can be great in any denomination you choose, but if you've never had a spiritual birth, it's not enough. It's just not enough. There's always been the tension between religion and grace. Religion is what I got to do. Grace is what God's done. It's always been that way. Religion doesn't need God. It's the search for innocence, not forgiveness. It exalts, justifies, and defends the rituals and ceremonies in the process of saving self. That's all it is. Religious opinions become burdens. Religious opinions become boundaries. That's what legalism is. That's why Jesus said to these guys, the Pharisees, you're putting too much weight on these people trying to find the kingdom, man. You're getting them all the wrong stuff. It really isn't about the religion. It's about the relationship. People must be born again, born from above, not built on what you can do, but let God do something new. That's what is required. That's what Nicodemus needed to hear. That's what people need to hear today. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Spiritual life is not a human achievement. It is orchestrated and energized by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. Look, you can't, you can't make this happen, Nicodemus. The wind starts where it will and blows where it will. and The Holy Spirit shows up when he wants to where he wants to, to whom he wants to. Can't predict it. Can't even see it coming. But it just happens. Like the wind blows. You feel it, you sense it, you know it's there. But, but he said the Holy Spirit is the one that orchestrates and energizes this work called spiritual birth. Many people are weary from working to earn a relationship with God that he is willing to give to those who would simply believe. Can I tell you something? Salvation is God's work, and grace is his process. He offers it to whom he desires when he desires. Our part in the process is to inform people, not to screen people. And too many times we're trying to screen people. Do they look like we look? Do they talk like we talk? Do they act like we act? And we go, ah, if they don't, well, I'm not sure they, you know. When it says that Jesus died for the world, it really included everybody in the world. Not just the ones that we like. Or the ones that look like us. Or talk like us. We don't get to say, I don't think that person could ever make it. <laughs> Because you realize, Jesus went to all the people that the Pharisees said would never make it. And their legalism hated him for it. It doesn't matter what all you do if you miss what only God can do. That's just it. Second thing I want you to get is this. 
The only way you can go to heaven is to believe God has done everything you need to go to heaven. It's amazing if you ask people why, and I've done this all, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Why should God let you into heaven? And it's amazing the list I hear. I was uh, talking with a... Uh, one of my one of my my guys at my second church was wanting to date this girl and and uh, and and they were from a different denomination that thought they were the only denomination was going to go to heaven and so he said would you come by and talk to this guy and let him know I'm a good guy that, that his daughter would I'd love to date his daughter and would he let his daughter date me and I'm going dude I'll do this but I'm not sure I'm really going to help you when it's all said and done but we'll go he was a great guy and, and, and loved Jesus and a fine Christian young man and and this daughter the girl was gorgeous and, 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 you know, uh, sweet and all those things. And so we went there, and he wanted to convince the dad that he was a good guy. Could, could, would he let his daughter date him? Because he said his daughter couldn't date him. So they're, they're, we show up, and, the, and we're all trying to be real nice, you know, and that's great. And, and so, uh, and I'm trying to say, you know, here's the thing. You know, I want you to know about my, my buddy Rick. He, man, he's, he's here. He's had a relationship with Christ. He's very faithful to Christ and serves the Lord and honors God and all he says and does. And he'd be, he'd be a great date for your daughter. And so then as the conversation goes on, eventually, like I say, let me tell you what we believe. We believe in, in this thing called grace. And, and we talk about and, and I shared what it meant to trust Christ and go through the thing. And I said, uh, and, and so uh, he, he kind of, you know, and I said, just let me ask you a question. Um, why would you go to heaven? Why would God let you in heaven? I can tell you why he let us in heaven. Why would he let you in heaven? The guy, no kidding, listed about 20 things, and not one of them was Jesus. Yeah. I mean, a man to go to church, read the Bible, been baptized, been in the, you know, I get my money, uh, you know, I, I don't lie, I don't cheat, don't steal, da, 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 go, go. I'm serious, after 20 things. And he said, and that was it. I'm going, can I just make one observation? This one, I knew my buddy was in trouble. He wasn't ever going to date this girl again. <laughs> said, can I make one observation? Jesus went on that list. And then he went in his presentation. He said, you got to be baptized to be saved and so on and so on. It goes on, you know, all this kind of stuff. I said, dude, you got to know Jesus. You got a relationship. You got to have a spiritual birth. And baptism of Christ's friends. We, we, and, of course, when it was over, uh, we're walking to the car, and the guy's really following me to the car, arguing with me. I'm going, dude, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just, you know. And we got in the car. Rick looked at me and said, what do you think? I said, I don't think you're ever going to date that girl ever again. Because the only way you can go to heaven is to believe God has done everything you need to go to heaven. I don't add to it. I don't get to help him out with it. Here's what happens. The one without sin must die. Let me go to John Let's go to verse 14. Let me read this. Let me read verse 14 to you. Okay. And as Moses lived, now Jesus, same conversation to Nicodemus. They progressed. Nicodemus is like, he's like, what have you just told me? I, I can't, I don't comprehend this. He said, as Moses, he knew about the story of Moses. He could quote it because he was a Pharisee. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What's that all about? Remember when the, the, the Hebrews were disobeying God and not believing God, and God sent serpents, poisonous serpents in to bite them, and they were dying from the bite. And Moses says, what are we going to do? And he said, here's what you got to do. You got to 
take a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and stick it up in the middle of the camp, and everyone who looks on the serpent, meaning they have the eyes of faith, they look upon that serpent because I've told them to look upon that serpent, they will not die. Now, that's a foreshadow of Christ coming. And he said, as Moses lived up the serpent and people would look on it to be spared and to live, so, that, uh, so the Son of Man must be lifted up also. When is he going to be lifted up? On a Friday. On a cross. Hang between heaven and earth, he's going to be lifted up. And he says, the, everyone, look at verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's the truth about spiritual birth. Doesn't matter what else you want to bring to the table. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, It doesn't count. Uh, you can't do enough. You see, the one without sin must die for everyone who has sinned. That's, we've all sinned. The one who hasn't sinned is Jesus. And he said, God's going to give me to die on a cross for you, Nicodemus, uh, because you need spiritual birth. You need forgiveness. I know you've done all this stuff, and everybody pats you on the back and says, you're awesome, you're great, you're incredible, but you're not born again. But I can fix that. I can solve that. And so uh, what you find is we can't do enough good deeds or keep enough rules or follow enough rituals to change God's mind about our condition. We're in trouble. Every one of us are born in trouble. We're born in the dark. We live in the dark, we, we, and we begin our spiritual journey from the dark. Holy Spirit begins to shed light on truth, and truth becomes a part of our thinking. We begin to realize, what do I do with this truth? Jesus has done all you need to change your life and destiny. You must simply take the posture of believing. You must now take your faith not and, move, and change it from putting it into what you've done and what you can do and what you've accomplished to what he has done and what he has accomplished on the cross. It's a childlike faith that simply believes everything God said about you and about Jesus, his son. You're the sinner. He's the sinless one. He's the one that can give you a new beginning in life and a whole new ending to your life. Salvation is a result of the generosity of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. The one who is eternal is the only one who can give eternal life. Spiritual life is eternal life. Nicodemus is trying to figure out if he's done enough, and Jesus said, no, you haven't. You've got to be born again. And that only comes from God because God gives spiritual life, and spiritual life is eternal life, and the only one who gives eternal life is the one who's eternal. You see, you have human life because we're human. You have God life because of God. Eternal life is God life. And so the question you need to answer today, do you have God life? I know you have human life, you're here. But do you have God life? Do you have spiritual life? Again, most of you, most of you probably are very, very religious. Probably all of you are. Now you're here. But do you have God life? That's the question. And that's what should be answered. Uh, can I tell you the rest of the story? 
while I'm sitting there and I got band-aids on three fingers. I have ripped the patches open my mouth. I have tried to manipulate with one hand and I've managed to, to stop the bleeding and, and uh, tried to clean up evidently not enough to meet her standard. But isn't that how we do a spiritual life anyway? We're God. We try to fix ourselves, we, and we put Band-Aids on our stuff, and we try to clean up and think, God, I've done a really pretty good job here, haven't I? I don't need any help. I got it under control. I've stopped the bleeding. I don't need a doctor. I'll just keep cleaning this stuff up, and eventually it'll be okay. I have Band-Aids here, here, and here. And they were, and, they, and, and you know what? I, I, I did stop the bleeding. That's what a lot of our religion does. It just stops the bleeding. But it doesn't bring healing. Because truthfully, had I not gone to the doctor, I'd have had an infection. So how do you know that? Because this one, see, all my, I had these Band-Aids. They were, they were just, and they were just there to kind of, help, I guess, and I thought they were sufficient. That's why we treat our religion, our denomination. We think that's all we need. But I needed this because this one needed six stitches. And I didn't want to go. You know why I didn't want to go? Because I thought, man, it's going to hurt. He's going to put stitches in because I need stitches, but I don't want stitches because I just soon live here and take the chance of thinking I've done everything I need to do to be okay, but I'll probably get an infection and then and so I, when I went, it was great. The guy was great. The nurses were great. When I got there, I said, I've cut my hand on a mandolin. And they all went, ah. Oh! And, and, and so the, the nurse came out and said, I've got something for you. She gave me some cloths, and, and she took care of me. I said, I'm okay. I'm not bleeding. I'm fine. Don't we do that to God all the time? I'm okay, man. I'm fine. No, no, no. No big deal. Well, it's a big deal. You're in trouble. And so they, they did this, and they got me back right away. And he was great. He, he, you know, he, he took care of things and took care of it. And then, of course, I got this, you know, great bandage. And I'm okay. Didn't hurt. Didn't even need pain pills. The Lord taught me something. He said, you know, that's why people do life all the time with me. They keep putting Band-Aids on their sin. Try to cover them. Stop the bleeding. But they need me to intervene. To really bring the healing, to do what needs to be done. And the truth is, we just have to finally come to the point and say, God, I need you to do this. See, I couldn't do what that guy did. I couldn't do those stitches. Man, I couldn't do that. I, I, I didn't have everything I needed to do that. Man, he had that shot to put this thing to sleep, didn't feel a thing. He, and they washed everything. Man, my hand was, it was amazing. It's such incredible stuff. All I did was show up. Do you understand? He was saying to Nicodemus, I just need you to show up, dude. Quit hiding behind your band-aids and just show up. And let me do all I can only I can do. Last thing. It does not matter what all you do if you miss what only God can do. 
John 19, verse 38 says this. Joseph, Joseph came. Now, Jesus had been he's crucified. He's died on the cross. Joseph came and took the body of Jesus away. It's daytime. A journey that started in the dark. Watch. With him came Nicodemus. The man who had come to Jesus in the night finally showed up in the daytime. The one who came in the dark now appears in the day. Nicodemus finally came to the cross. Nicodemus finally got it. How about you?